0: Good evening, Barneys. My name is Rowan Kemp. Mike Padgett, the senior pastor here at Barneys, has come down with COVID. And so he's asked me to step in tonight to share with you some thoughts on this passage that we just had read for us. So if you've got your Bible there, it'd be really helpful if you could open it up or call it up on your phone, Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, it'll help you to be able to follow along while you're opening that up and finding that on your phone, sometimes our Lord Jesus says things that are a bit opaque or a bit confusing. This is not one of those times. Jesus' teaching here is crystal clear, uncomfortably so. The challenge for those of us who call ourselves his disciples is not understanding this passage, it's accepting it. It's living it. It's rejoicing in it. And that's because Jesus here challenges some of our fundamental beliefs and idolatries. Uh, Three in particular spring to mind. The first is what I've called the lie of absolute financial freedom. That is that I have the freedom to do what I like with the financial resources I have at my disposal and no one else has the right to tell me what I have to do with these resources, the lie of absolute financial freedom. The second lie, the lie of satisfactory stinginess, that as long as I give something back to God, He should and will be happy with that. The lie of satisfactory stinginess. And thirdly, The lie of morally neutral money, that how I use money is not a salvation issue. Well, Jesus exposes in this parable those as lies, and he invites and challenges us as his disciples to think and live differently in alignment with the beauty of his purposes. Now, this parable in Matthew chapter 25 comes in part of a series that Jesus is sharing with his disciples as he teaches them about his eventual return, when he will come back in power and glory and call the whole world to account. And through a series of parables, Jesus has been emphasising that they don't know when he will return. And so they must always live ready for his return. Jesus has been at pains to really ram this home with the disciples. Let me just read to you a couple of verses here. Chapter 24, verse 42, Jesus says to them, Therefore, be alert, since you don't know what day your Lord is coming. And then again in chapter 24, verse 44, he says, This is why you are also to be ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And again in chapter 25, verse 13. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. As Jesus' disciples, we have to be ready for his return. Are you ready? Well, you say, what does that entail? I mean, what does that mean to be ready? I mean, I don't know. Tell me. What does that mean to be ready? And well, guess what? In this parable that we've just had read for us, Jesus starts to answer that question. His answer is this, I think. Have as your heart to use for him everything that he's entrusted to you. Have as your heart to use for him everything that he's entrusted to you. I don't know if Jesus did actions with it, but I'm going to do actions with it. And you're going to do them with me too, right? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Let's do that together. Have as your heart to use for Him everything that He has entrusted to you. All right? I'll get you to do it another two times, so that's all right. Now, Jesus starts this parable here in Matthew chapter 25. hope you got it open. Verse 14. Starts His parable... With a master about to go on a journey. And he entrusts his possessions to his slaves. Have a look at the verse there. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. Now the word translated servants there is literally the word slaves. Our English Bible translators don't like putting the word slaves there, so they've substituted servants. Literally, he says, his own slaves. The whole show in this picture belongs to the master, the slaves and the rest of his possessions. And he entrusts the rest of his possessions to his own slaves. Now, the idea that we might belong to another human being fills us with alarm, and understandably so, given the abuses that we have seen in history and the abuses we continue to see through human slave trade and modern-day human trafficking. But the idea that Christians belong to God, that we are willing children and slaves of a perfect, loving and good master, the Lord Jesus, who loved his slaves so much that he ransomed us to himself at the cost of his own death, that is a common theme right throughout the New Testament. You can't escape it. We belong to the Lord Jesus who bought us with His own blood. And in living for Him is actually perfect freedom and joy. Well, the master here in the parable distributes his possessions between three servants. In verse 15 we're told, depending on each one's ability. So one, obviously the most able of the three, receives five talents one receives two talents and another one talent, unless you think well, the person who received one talent is obviously not very able. A talent of gold weighed fifty nine kilos. Can you imagine fifty nine kilos of gold it 's worth about two point two million in today 's dollars that 's one talent so this is a very significant entrustment to these servants. one receives eleven million dollars, one receives four and a half million dollars, and one receives million. And then the master leaves on his journey. No one knows for how long he will be gone. Which was the point of the earlier parables, right? You just need to be ready. Well, you can see the response of the first two servants. Look at verse 16 and 17. Immediately the man who had received five talents went, put them to work and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. Both respond immediately, willingly, obediently, and their diligence yields fruit for their master. And so when the master returns, he is understandably delighted. Look at verse 19 and 21. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me 11 million dollars. See, I've earned 11 more million dollars. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. Seriously? Just a few things? Anyway, you were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things at which the mind boggles. Share your master's joy. Now notice the master's delight in the servant It is not actually in the amount of extra income the servant has produced. He's delighting in the attitude and the obedience of the servant. He's described here as good and faithful. In fact, the master is no more delighted in this five-talent servant than the two-talent servant. Have a look at what he says to the two-talent servant in verse 22. The man with two talents also approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. As far as I can tell, the master's response is absolutely word for word identical. The issue for Jesus is not how much you give to God's kingdom, but in your heart's response. Is your heart to use for him all he's entrusted to you? Is your heart to use for him all he's entrusted to you? That's what makes one a good servant. Moreover, these two servants faithful with what their master has entrusted to them, they are now on a trajectory. They've proved themselves faithful with a few things. Now that the master has returned, he says he will place them in charge of many things. I just want you to cast forward in your mind's eye for a moment, in your imagination. Can you imagine the living Lord Jesus looking you in the eye and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. You have proved faithful in the few things that I entrusted to you. I will put you in charge of many things. Share my joy. Can you imagine the day when you will see the Lord Jesus face to face and he looks you in the eye and he says that to you? That is what Jesus is promising here to those who will be good and faithful servants with what he entrusts to us now. But there is another servant, one described here as evil and lazy. On being entrusted with one talent, which $2.2 million still a sizable sum of money, verse 18 tells us he digs a hole in the ground and hides his master's money. Why? It seems such an odd thing to do. Well, he has a reason, or so he says. Look at verse 24. The man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, have what is yours. The third servant claims that it was out of fear that he hid the money. Worried, you know, because his master was a hard man and worried that maybe instead of being a success with the money, he would fail and lose money and so he came up with a plan that had zero risk. Bury the money. Whenever the master comes back I'll dig it up and just give it back and here's what's yours. No risk. But the master calls rubbish. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Have a look at verse 26. His master replied to him you evil lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with